It shall never be removed. Father, what a great reminder for us that Christ is our anchor. Christ is in the heavenly places at your right hand. And we are tethered to him by faith. Christ keeps us in all of these storms that we face. Father, Christ is our hope. He is our anchor. As we open your word today, Father, I pray that we would have willing spirits to be different. Father, I pray that the words I would speak would be led by your spirit and consistent with your word. And that there would be humility in the preaching and humility in the receiving of your word. And that we would all, we would all see our need for Christ. We would all see things eternal. Put all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, Grace Fellowship Church and guests. The, the past few weeks have been a very difficult trial for this local assembly. Um, yesterday provided some level of closure for Sister Stephanie and her children and all of us who loved and will miss Ryan. I left yesterday being extraordinarily tired. Not really sleepy, but just tired. And it got me to thinking about how we are even able to make it through things like this. Uh, make it through without despondency and despair. Make it through with hope. And how we can, we can go through something like this and still be okay. And the answer... <laughs> that just became very clear to me is that God is our strength. I know that's something we all say, but just think about how we make it through things like that is because God is our strength. Psalm 46.1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. As Pastor Nick talked about in the psalm today, He is our help. In trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. God is our refuge and our strength, a very help in, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, will not fear, though the earth gives way. Look, there has not been any earthquakes or floods over the last four weeks. But metaphorically, there has certainly been an earthquake. The earth has shaken, especially for Sister Stephanie and her children, but for all of us. Our, our worlds are shaken, and, and, and God was, is, and will continue to be our refuge. That's the testimony of everybody I've talked to. Where else can I look but to Christ and to, to God for hope and for strength and for courage and for direction? Where else do I look? Psalm 28, 7, The Lord is my strength and my shield. In Him my heart trusts and I am helped. As we trust in the Lord, we are helped. Try going through things without trusting in the Lord and see where from where does your help come. There's no place. My heart exults, and with my song I give thanks to Him. Our heart trusts, and it is helped. We, our heart exults. And with 
my song, I give thanks to him. Even in our struggles, God helps us as our hearts trust in him and our hearts exalt him. And we give God thanks in song. Like we did yesterday. Like we did today. God is our help. Turn your hymnal to hymn 55. And as you sing these words, think about what you're singing. God is our help. Oh God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. Our shelter from the stormy blast and our eternal home. Under the shadow of thy throne, thy saints have dwelt secure. Sufficient is thine arm alone, and our defense is sure. Before the hills in order stood, or earth received her frame. From everlasting thou art God, to endless years the same. A thousand ages in thy sight are like an evening gone. Short as the watch that ends the night before the rising sun. Time like an ever-rolling stream bears all its sons away. They fly forgotten as a dream dies at the opening day. O God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. Be Thou our guide while life shall last and our eternal home. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In Him my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exults. And with my song I give thanks to Him. Isaiah 41.8 But you, O Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend. That's us, beloved. We are Israel. We are are. We are the offspring of Abraham. We are the offspring of Jacob. He's talking to Jacob. He's talking to us. You whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest corners, saying to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and not cast you off. This is what he has done from us, from Oklahoma to California to Iowa. He has called us into his family. But you, O Israel, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, you whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest corners, saying to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and not cast you off. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed. For I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Turn to him. 364. How firm a foundation. 364. How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he has said, to you who forever used to Jesus have fled? Fear not, I am with thee, O be not dismayed, for I am thy God and will still give thee aid. 
I'll strengthen thee, help thee, and cause thee to stand. Upheld thy righteous omnipotent hand. When through fiery trials thy pathway shall lie, my grace all-sufficient shall be thy supply. The flame shall not hurt thee, I only design thy dross to consume and thy hope to refine. The soul that on Jesus hath leaned for repose, I will not, I will not desert to his foes. That soul, though all hell should endeavor to shake, I'll never, no, never, no, never forsake. Father, help us to remember that you are our help in trouble. You are our strength. In our hearts, we trust you and you help us. We will give thanks in our song. We will remember that you are with us and we will not fear. That you will strengthen us, you will help us, and you will, you will uphold us with your righteous right hand. Father, you are our foundation. You are our hope. You are our strength. Thank you, Father, for bringing us through these last few weeks. Thank you, Father, that you will continue to carry us forward. Thank you that you are, you are our help, our comfort, our hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Open the Bibles, your Bibles to Luke chapter 12. We'll be in verses 22 through 34. The third and final sermon titled, Do Not Be Anxious About Your Temporal Provision. As I read this today, I want you to listen for the do nots and the whys. I want you to listen for the indicatives and the imperatives. I want you also to listen for, for where the issue of anxiousness, worry, and fear about temporal provision, where it actually comes from. So let's stand and I will read verses 22 through 34 of Luke 12. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And, why, and which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow, neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You may be seated. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Like everything else in the Christian life, this anxiousness, this worry, this seeking after the things of the world, this is a heart issue. And, and where your treasure is, your heart will be. And the reverse is accurate. Where your heart is, your treasure will grow. But the way, uh, go, but where, the way this is said, written by Jesus, said by Jesus, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. Your heart will follow your treasure. 
And I think it's also true. Your treasure will follow your heart. Let's, let's go back and look at these verses that are leading up to verses 32 through 34, which is what we'll be looking at today. Remember in verse 13, Jesus has been teaching about eternal things. And in verse 13, a very temporally minded man, earthly focused man, says, Hey, teacher, you're such a great teacher, then you know, impose the law on my brother and tell him to give me my inheritance. Give me my money. So this earthly minded man interrupts Jesus' eternal minded teaching. And so then Jesus tells a parable of, of a rich man who, who had so many crops he couldn't store them all. So he had to tear down his barns and build bigger ones that he could store all of his crop. And, and what he said to himself was, now I've got it all. I'm, I'm set for life. Now I can just relax and enjoy my retirement years because I've got everything I need in these big old barns. And that night his life was required of him. His soul was required of him. So he tells him this parable. And then in verse 21, he, he warns those who are laying up treasures in heaven and aren't rich toward God that, that this is them. This is, this is you who, who aren't rich toward God. This is you who are so concerned about storing up treasures for this earth. And that brings us then into verse 22. He, he Remember, he's, he's talking to thousands, tens of thousands of people. And now he commands his disciples. He instructs his disciples concerning temporal provision Versus a focus on eternity. Therefore, do not be anxious. Again, this is, this is verse 22. It's an imperative. It's, it's, a, it's a command. Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food. So you might, again, that natural reaction to that, and the natural reaction is, well, Food and clothing are things that you've designed me to need. I need food. So you're telling me don't be anxious about it. And then he says, because, because for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. The, the, the life, life, life is, is far more than just food and this temporal life. And the body is far more than clothing. And then he says, consider the ravens. Consider, here's, here's about food. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap, they neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are than you than the birds? Look at the ravens. You're worried about food. These ravens don't even take care of their young very well, and yet God continues to provide them food. And aren't you more valuable than some birds that you see thousands and thousands of around Israel? And then he says, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? If then you're not able to do a small thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? And your worry, where does your worry get you? How, does, how, does, how is worry going to have you to live one more hour than you're going to live? God knows your hours. He's, your days are numbered from before eternity. How is your worry going to give you any longer life? It's not. So if you can't even get your life to extend by one hour, why are you worried about all the rest? Why are you worried about all this provision for all of this time? And then he goes back and says, as far as the clothing things, consider the lilies, how they grow, neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. The, the wildflowers that you see all throughout Israel, look how beautiful they are. And they don't do anything. They don't make their own clothes. God clothes them. But if God so clothes the grass, and this grass, which is alive today, what's going to happen to it? What's going to happen to it? It's going to die. It's going to be harvested, if you will. And it's going to be put into ovens to heat up the ovens to cook food or to heat the house. That's what's going to happen to these beautiful lilies. So if God clothes the grass that is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? He's clothing you with something far greater. He's clothing you with the righteousness of Christ. He's clothing you for all eternity, not something that will just live and then be burned up. He's going to provide for you. And then he says this. And do not, verse 29, seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. Do not seek what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink and don't be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things. And your Father knows that you need them. This is what 
children of the devil do. This is what pagans do. Pagans live their lives worrying about what they're going to eat and what they're going to drink and what their retirement years look like and do they have and they've saved up for it. That's what they focus upon. Don't be like them. Because your Father in heaven, He knows what you need. He knows what you need to live. And He's going to provide for you, children of God. He's going to provide for you until He doesn't. And when He's no longer providing for you here, you're going to be in glory. So you can trust that He's going to provide for you. You're more important than than lilies. You're, You're more important than ravens. He's going to provide for you. Don't be like the pagans. He's telling this to the disciples. Remember, tens of thousands of people, he's turned and talked to this small group. And then he says this, instead, instead of being like pagans and worrying about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, instead of being like unbelievers and focusing on temporal earthly things and needs, instead of that, seek his kingdom. And in Matthew, when he said this earlier truth, seek his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek the lordship of Christ. Seek seek the, the, the laws and the commands of God. Seek first to live holy lives. Seek first to live in ways that bring God glory. And these things, these temporal earthly things, they'll be added to you. Because God's going to provide... Seek his kingdom first. Not seek his kingdom. Remember, we talked with this. It's not seek his kingdom, and if you'll do that, he'll provide. No, Christians, believers, because he's going to provide, you don't have to worry about it. You can seek righteousness and holiness in his kingdom. He's going to provide. Therefore, seek his kingdom. That that brings us into today's passage which I think is, the I said this last week, I believe these are some of the most comforting words, some of the, some of the most reassuring truths in all of Scripture. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Fear not. Phobeomai. To be struck with fear, to be seized with alarm, to be afraid. Fear not. Do not be afraid. Now, this seems maybe to contradict other New Testament scripture. 1 Peter 2 17, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Fear God is the same word for beomai. So here he's saying, do not fear. And here he's saying, fear. Same instruction in the Old Testament. Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is insight. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If we don't fear God, then we can't be wise unto salvation and we can't be wise unto sanctification. So we are to fear God. Just earlier in this same talk, Jesus said in verse 4, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body, and after that have nothing more that they can do, but I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he is killed, has authority to cast you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him, for Baomai. Fear God. And now Jesus says, do not fear. Fear not. Listen, it's not confusing. We are to fear God. That is the beginning of wisdom. And we fear God in that then we put our faith and trust in Christ. But for those who have feared God and who have turned to Christ, you do not need to fear about your earthly provisions. He isn't telling you here, do not fear God. He's telling you, do not fear what you will eat or what you will drink or what you will wear. Fear not. If you have feared God... You need, no longer need to fear for your earthly provisions. Fear not. Do fear God. Do not fear having earthly provisions and treasures, Christians. 
that fear of God that will continue in all of our lives, that reverence and awe. We have that for God. We don't have that fear for what we will eat or drink or wear. We don't have that fear for earthly provisions. We're not to have that fear. Fear not. Who ought not fear? Concerning temporal provision, little flock. Mikros poimnion. Mikros, micro, little, small quantity. Remember, tens of thousands of people here. He turns this little tiny group of them. Fear not, little flock, Mikras, this tiny group out of all these folks. They're going to be like the pagans. They're going to seek after the things of the world. They're going, to, they're going to seek after earthly things. You, they're going to fear if they have enough food and drink and clothes. You don't fear. Little flock. Poimnion, a flock of sheep, a group of Christ's disciples. A remnant. A flock of sheep. This, this, this language, this, what he's telling them is he's saying, listen, God is going to care for you both now and into eternity. Sheep, little sheep, small group of sheep, helpless, stupid, needy, lowly people. John 10, 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep and have other sheep that are not of this fold. Not just Jews, but you and me, beloved Gentiles. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice so there will be one flock, one shepherd. We are his sheep. We are being cared for by the shepherd. We need not fear. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Fear not, little flock. You are God's sheep, you shall not want. You will be provided for. Fear not, little flock. You have a shepherd who, who owns all things. And he's caring for you. John 1.12, but to all who did receive him, Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Your father's. Not only is he your shepherd, he is your father. Little flock, Christians, not only is he your shepherd, he is your father. And your father knows what you need. John 1, 12, but to all did receive him who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man, but of God. God made you his child. You are his sheep and you are his child. Fear not. 1 John 3, for what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God? Look at this language. He's fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. This is your Father. What are you concerned about? I touched on it last week. Sophia doesn't worry about having food. Emmeline does not worry about having food and clothing. She knows her dad will take care of that. How much more do we not need to worry? We have, the, we have the owner of a thousand cattle on the hill of the whole world, of the whole universe. He owns it all, and he's going to care for us. We can trust that. We can rest in that. Fear not what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink. Don't concern yourself with earthly possessions and provision. And so we are children of God. The reason why the world does not know us, it did not know him, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him because we'll see Him as He is. Because we're His children, we will be in glory. We will be in the kingdom. What are you worried about? 
Why are you focused on things that are going to pass away that are temporary? Why are you so concerned about earthly provision and treasures? Fear not, Mikras Poimnian, for it is your father's good pleasure. It isn't your father's begrudging obligation. It isn't your father's not really wanting. You know, it's his good pleasure, eudokeo, to be pleased with, to take pleasure in. It's the same word we see in Luke 3, 22. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With, with you I am well pleased. Eudokeo. Well pleased. What pleases God? Well, here his son pleases him. He is pleased with his son. And here in this passage we're looking at, it pleases God to give us the kingdom. God is pleased to give you the kingdom, little flock. Fear not. By the way, not just some of the kingdom, not just some of the provision. No, no, the kingdom. Romans 8.32, He do who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Rhetorical question. God has given us his son. It ple- you know what else pleased God? It pleased him to crush his son. It pleased him to bruise his son. That we could be brought into the kingdom. That we could be given the kingdom. What else could we want or need, little flock, children of God? What else could we have to worry about, be anxious about? What temporal provision or treasure is it that would be greater than that? Why is it that you spend your time on that? God delights in giving us the kingdom, brothers and sisters. Not just something out of the kingdom or, or, or just simply the resources from the kingdom. No, the kingdom. He has and will give us the kingdom. Romans 8, 15, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. We are fellow heirs with Christ. We are children of God. We are going to inherit the kingdom. What? And I'm worried about, will I have enough to eat? And we're worried about, do I have enough stored up? And we're worried about, can we really trust you, God? He's given us His Son. He's brought us into His kingdom. We are now co-heirs with Christ. We are, God. We are heirs of God. Why are you so small-minded? Why are you so short-term focused? Matthew 25, 34, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Inherit the kingdom. Inherit eternity with God with no more needs and no more wants. Complete perfection and bliss. That's what you've inherited. 
James 2, 5. Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love them, love him? Fear not, little flock, little children, poor, foolish, uncable, unable to care for yourselves. Fear not. Because it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And here we are worried about what we'll eat and what we'll wear. He knows what you need. He's already given you the kingdom. You think it's a big chore for him to give you food and clothes? And it's his good pleasure to do that. Focus on that. It's God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. In Luke 22, there's a dispute between the disciples, who's going to be the greatest? And Down in verse 28, You are those who have stayed with me in my trials, and I assign to you, as my Father assigned to me, a kingdom, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Disciples, God has given me the kingdom, I'm giving it to you. Followers of Christ, you're going to eat and drink in glory with Christ and, and rule and reign with Him forever. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail. Fear not. Jesus has been given lordship over the kingdom and, and, and therefore through Him you will be with Him in glory, eating and drinking, and He will not let you go. What are you worried about? Ephesians 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Why worry about temporal provision so much? Why worry about temporal provision at all? Why store up treasures on earth? when we've been given all of the blessings in the heavenly places. Listen to all that's in this one little sentence. Fear not, little flock. We have a shepherd. God himself is our shepherd. So we have a shepherd, the shepherd, God himself. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's. We have a father. We have a shepherd and we have a father. A father in heaven who owns everything in the universe that is going to give us the kingdom. And in the meantime, he's going to care for our needs. That father, it's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. We have a king. The king who rules and reigns over all. We have a shepherd. We have a father. And we have the king. Our king. What are you worried about? Fear not. What, what, what are you worried about? He knows what you need. Don't be like the pagans. And chase after these things. Given, given this reality. That, that our great shepherd. Our father. The king of kings. Is providing for us. Stop worrying about temporal provisions. You have been given the eternal kingdom. And Jesus is going to make this even more crystal clear now. Sell your possessions. And give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old. With a treasure in the heavens that does not fail. Where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. Now listen, this is not a universal prescription. But it is certainly descriptive of the proper way we are to think of earthly provision and possessions. It is not a command to sell everything, but it is a command to say, sell everything 
if there's anything you hold on to as equal to or greater than the value of being in God's kingdom, let it go. Let it go. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old. They had money bags they carried. That word there for grow old to cause become old and obsolete and hence no longer valid. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not become invalid. When you die, what will, when, the, when, the, when the man in the parable died, what did his earthly possessions, how valid were they in heaven? What was their value to barter and to buy and to, and, to, and, to, and to provide? None. So don't get money bags. Provide yourself money bags that do not become invalid. Well, what are those? Those are treasures in heaven. With a treasure in heaven. The saros, treasure box, treasure, wealth, would have stored up because of its value. These money bags, your bank account... It'll become obsolete. It'll become invalid. Anything that you've paid forward, if you will, anything you've invested in heaven, in the things of God, that's the treasure that you will have for all eternity. Provide yourself with money bags that do not grow old and a treasure in heavens that does not fail. And kleptos. Pertain to what will go out of existence, unfailing, inexhaustible, never decrease. You want things that are inexhaustible, that will never go out of existence. Again, what will your worldly possessions and treasures, what will they provide for you in heaven? Nothing. They will be exhausted. They will go out of existence. They won't matter. We get that, right? Do we live like that? And so what he's telling them, what, what are you worried about? Do this instead. Provide yourself money bags. Do not grow old with the treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches. Nobody can steal it. This stuff down here can get stolen, can't it? It gets stolen through taxes all the time, doesn't it? Where no thief approaches, no moth destroys. Moths destroyed clothing a lot more back then than they do now. But, and I really don't know, but I guess moths and the larva, and the larva then eats up the thread and it makes big holes and you can't really fix them. See, these clothes you're so worried about, they're, they're going to disintegrate. Probably before you even get rid of them. And then I hand them down to somebody else with a big hole in them because we're so gracious that way. But they, they, they're, they're useless. What clothes matter? the white robes of righteousness, the deeds of the saints, Christ's garment that he places on us. That's what you should be concerning yourself with. That never fails. That never goes old. That's your outfit for eternity. Little flock. Mikras poimnion. They're all going to chase after it, not you. you got something far greater. This, this theme is repeated by Jesus over and over again. This theme that nothing could be of more value to you than following me, than inheriting the kingdom of God. Nothing can be more valuable to you. Matthew 19, 21, Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect to the rich young ruler, go sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven and come follow me. Treasures in heaven and treasures on earth are contradictory things. Treasures in heaven and treasures on earth share nothing in common. They're completely different. Worldly possessions and temporal provision is, has nothing to do with heaven's economy, if you will. Following Jesus is what we, which we should cling to. Not just our earthly possessions, by the way, but this is a theme he talks about with our earthly relationships. Luke 14, 25 through 27. Now the great crowds accompanied him. And he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother 
and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Down in verse 33. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Again, I'm not taught to hate my mother. I'm to honor my mother. He's saying in comparison to him and to the kingdom of heaven, this is meaningless. And if your relationships with your children or your parents or your wife or your or your Father, your mother is more important than you're not worthy to follow me. If your very life is more important to you and the life you live and the things you do is more important than following me, then you're not worthy of the kingdom. Renounce your wealth. Renounce your relationships in exchange for something far greater. This isn't hard to understand. It's very aggressive or, or, or heavy, but, but the reason is because we so much in our hearts are tied to the things of this earth that Jesus is trying to wrench them out of our hands and show us that we have something far greater. Far greater. Why are you so focused on these things, little flock? Fear not. When we quickly want to explain away these passages or, or make them softer than they really are, it's quite probably exposing our hearts as it pertains to what's more important to us. I want, to, I want you to think about that. We quickly want to dismiss these passages and, 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 and rationalize them and justify them and even do what I did at the beginning. It's not... We're not all commanded to do this. There's other passages that says we're to own things. The point of it is, we quickly want to diminish these passages because our hearts so much love earthly treasures. Just, we just love them. We, we love the things of this earth. And Jesus is, is can't, fear not, little flock, your shepherd, your father, the king. He's caring for you. He's giving you the kingdom, the eternal kingdom, far greater than any of this. Don't be like the pagans. And don't just pass this off and try to justify it away and explain it away. Let it minister to your heart, my heart. We see the apostles, the disciples, leaving everything. John, Luke 5, 9, For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that it had taken. And so also were James and John. So Peter, James, and John, they see this, this, this incredible take of fish that he got out of the, of the water where they could catch nothing. And also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. They literally left everything. They literally left their livelihoods. They literally left their families. Like actually. Luke 5, 27. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi, Matthew, sitting in a tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. He left his status. He left his wealthy lifestyle. This is the heart of willingness that Christ followers will have. We, we, we don't need any of this. And whatever we do need, God will provide. So why worry about it? Why be anxious about it? Why store up treasures on earth? 1 Peter 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. This is what we have inherited. 
Our focus is to shift away from temporal provision and treasures and remember our imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven salvation. Nothing will ever happen to that. And it's eternal. And now he summarizes this whole section of this sermon with this statement of fact. Spiritual metaphysics. This is an encouragement and a warning to all of us, brothers and sisters. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. This is a matter of the heart. Do you have a heart? Do I have a heart? Do we have hearts that are willing to let go of all of our earthly possessions, all of our earthly precisions, trusting in God to provide? Do we have a heart that understands and we live like we have the shepherd, the father, the king who has provided eternity as a co-heir with Christ in his kingdom he is providing for us and we can, our, our heart is in that place. Where is our hearts? Where are our hearts? Where is your heart? Don't pass over it. Don't ignore it. Don't, don't try to soften the blow. Proverbs 23, 1. When you sit down to eat with a ruler, observe carefully what is before you and put a knife to your throat if you are given to appetite. Do not desire his delicacies for they are deceptive food. Do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. Stop toiling to acquire wealth. It does not say to stop toiling. It does not to say stop toiling for the kingdom. It does say to stop toiling for your own wealth. Listen, that's a big deal. You're not being told don't toil. You're not being told don't, don't amass stuff. Amass the stuff for the kingdom, not for yourself. Why? When your eyes light on it, it being worldly wealth, it is gone. Whether it's gone, and we've all seen fortunes go away here, certainly can happen here, but how about the man who built all the barns that were in the parable he just told? Gone. Whose will it be now? When your eyes light on it, it is gone, for suddenly it sprouts wings, flying like an eagle toward heaven. Do not set your heart on earthly treasures. It is fleeting. They are, they are very fleeting. There is no eternal value. Store up treasure in heaven. Look, you all, we know, we, by God's grace, we know what that means. We're learning what that means. We're understanding what that means to store up treasures in heaven. Don't soften the blow. Don't, don't change it. For where your treasure, for where your treasure is, that is where your heart is also. Proverbs 4:23. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. You're going to live out of your heart. Keep your heart with all diligence. We often apply this verse to sexual purity, don't we? Rightly. It's a fine application. But I want us to apply this to our heart towards earthly provisions, earthly possessions, or seeking God's kingdom, His reign, His holiness, His kingdom growing. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. We ought have the same level of disdain that we have for hearts that are lustful sexually. We ought to have the same level of disdain for our hearts that are focused on earthly possessions and provisions. But we don't. We give us all a pass for that. 
Guard your heart. Matthew, don't let your heart be moved. You stay focused on eternity and you don't start worrying about the things of this earth. You stay focused on eternal things. If our hearts are fulfilled, if our hearts are, are focused on and fixed on earthly matters, it's impossible to fulfill the command to seek God's kingdom and his righteousness. It's impossible. If our hope is in the resources of this world, in this life, if we are dependent upon barns to contain what we need, if we rest in our own ability to provide for ourselves because nobody else is, worrying is necessary then. Anxiousness is reasonable. Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't wake up in the middle of the night wondering if you have enough? Wondering if your investments are going to crash? Wondering if your business is going to go out of business? Who wouldn't? Of course you would. That's only natural. Seeking our earthly provision then becomes a must. It becomes a must if we're focused on the things of this earth. It becomes a must. Because, because our circumstances in this life are very unsure. And if we've got to make sure we provide for ourselves in big, big enough barns and care about the possessions and provision of this world, we've got a lot of work to do. A lot of worry and a lot of anxiousness and a lot of sleepless nights. Where is our treasure? Because that is where our heart is also. Charles Spurgeon. It is not only important to lay up that which can truly be called treasure but also to lay it up in the right place. A treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. Such treasure as that will not harm us if we set our heart upon it. Seeking after, toiling for God's kingdom, that can't harm us. If we set our heart upon it and by and by in God's time, we and our treasures shall both be in heaven. You are sure to live for that which is the choicest object of your love. You are sure to live for that which is the choicest object of your love. Whatever you think to be first will be first. And what you love in your heart, you'll be sure to follow in your life. Make sure of that. Your heart will go after your treasure. And if none of your treasure is gone to heaven, none of your heart will go there. If none of your heart has gone to heaven, then none of your treasure will go there. To whom or to what will our earthly treasures be left? To our kids? To the Lord's work. Is kingdom work our sole or even main benefactor? Or are we worried about leaving earthly provision for our kids and our grandkids? For whom are we amassing wealth? For whom are we, whom are we building these businesses, man? You are building great businesses. God has been very kind to us. For whom are you building these businesses? Well, that's where your heart will be. Are your kids going to grow up to learn to trust in their parents and grandparents' estate? Or are they going to grow up learning they must fear God, confess Christ, be led by the Spirit, and then know that God will provide? Where are we pointing our children's hearts with how we deal with our wealth? We're to be rich toward God. We're to have our treasure be truly in heaven and our heart will be there also. If our heart is in heaven, so will our treasure. Look, these are difficult things to think about. What does Spurgeon say? You're sure to live for that which is the choicest object of your love. I want to challenge us. Do we live for the benefit of our children or our wives? Now, we're to provide for our families, men. 
Whatever you think to be first, that'll be first. And what you love in your heart, you will surely follow in your life. Make sure of that. David Gutzik. The correlation between where your heart is and the location of your treasure isn't a suggestion. Listen to what he said there. I think it's really good. The correlation between where your heart is and the location of your treasure isn't a suggestion. It is a simple fact. It is a simple fact. Where's your treasure? Well, that's where your heart is. If you regard your material possessions as your treasure, then your heart is set here on this earth. If a person's primary interests are earthbound, that is where his or her commitment will be. We should not forget that this teaching about riches and greed came from the man who interrupted Jesus' sermon with the request to settle a dispute between he and his brother. To this man and to all, Jesus warned about location of his treasure and his heart. This all starts out with a guy saying, hey, teacher, do what's right according to God's law and make sure my brother gives me what I need now, what I'm entitled to, my earthly possession and treasure. It all starts out there, and Jesus uses all that to bring it around and say, don't have your heart be like that. Where was that man's treasure? Not in hearing about eternal things that Christ was preaching. His treasure was in that inheritance of his father. This is, look, this is really difficult. It, it really is. It really is because I apply that to my own life and to our lives and it's difficult. Build great businesses. And then use those resources to provide for your family and for treasures in heaven. I mean provide for your family in the temporal. How many third and fourth generation businesses do you see, second generation businesses, with a bunch of non-Christians taking over a Christian man's wealth and then squandering it? Here, if the church is being the church, the money will never be squandered here. It won't be used perfectly, but it'll never be squandered. See, I won't be here to see it, but all these businesses and fortunes that are being amassed and, and what that will do for the kingdom. I mean, look, Kenyans need money. Pastors need provision. We need facilities. There's missionaries to support. Evangelists need to eat. Why are you working? His warning is, don't be like that guy in the parable. Don't keep building up wealth for yourself. God will take care of you. Your father, your shepherd, the king. Fear not. Don't be like the pagans. He said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? If then you are not able to do a small thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. You need to toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat, or what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead of that, seek his kingdom. His righteousness, and these things will be added to. He's going to provide, seek His kingdom and His righteousness. Fear not, little flock, for it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the King. The shepherd, your shepherd, your Father, and the King, your King.
Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourself with money bags that do not grow over the treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will be, your heart will be also. Do not be anxious about your temporal provision. Closing thought. Think on these things, beloved, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Father, we thank you again for your word. What a great comfort. What an awesome reality that that you are our shepherd. You are our father. And you have given us your kingdom because you are king over all. Father, work in our hearts. Father, if we, if we have guilt over our wealth, Father, remind us there is no guilt in wealth. It is what are we doing with that wealth? What are we building these barns for? For us or for you? Father, thank you for your kindness to us here in this place and the generosity which you have started in us. I pray, Father, that you would continue to make us more rich toward you for your glory and Christ's sake. Amen.